first time with us. My name is Aaron. Again, if you just walked in, um, would love to meet you guys if I haven't before. Uh, we're continuing this series called Joyride today. I love it. That's the exact type of music I would expect to be playing in that van if you were driving one, if you're so lucky to own one. Or maybe you hate the VW vans. I don't know what you love. But uh, excited about this series. We're looking at joy. And uh, I, I love this uh, because joy is, I think, something hard to find, but something that we all desire. I think having a, a good life or a happy life is something we would say, that would be great. Uh, no one's walking through life wishing that uh, they had no joy, less joy, or anything of the sort. Especially as we move into the holiday season, some of us are hoping, I hope my family gatherings are joyful, right? I hope, uh, I hope my uncle can contain himself, right? I, I hope uh, we have some joy in that, right? I hope my joy doesn't go away once I arrive. So joy, I love looking at it. Uh, we started the last two weeks, uh, Ryan was sharing with you, we're looking at the book of Philippians and following along with Paul on his journey um, it's been really exciting, and I thought last week was especially challenging. We talked about uh, first week joy, uh, where the source of it is. Uh, the second week, we talked about joy and injustice. I thought that one was super challenging and well presented. If you guys missed any of those, I encourage you to go to the app or on our website and catch up with those so you can follow along with us. But we'll jump in here today, and even if you missed the first couple weeks, no big deal at all. Uh, but first, I just want to set it up a little bit. You know, when we think about joy, I think there's some certain ways we tend to think, and we've said this the past couple weeks as well. Uh, what we tend to believe, probably if we're being super honest with ourselves and we look down deep to where, how we view joy, where we find it, we would say probably these things. If it's not great on the outside, right, if circumstances aren't good, um, if things aren't going well, um, if we don't feel good, if things don't look good, we would probably say things probably aren't good on the inside either, right? We would say if there's no joy, if it doesn't look good on the outside, probably no joy on the inside, Probably in the same way we would look and say if, um, if it looks great on the outside, right, if they have whatever they want, if their plan is going well, life is going well, nothing bad has happened along the way, looks good on the outside, probably good on the inside too, right? That's the way that if I think if we were super honest, we would probably tend to look at joy in that way. Even if we might look in, and I asked you about joy and you said, well, you know, joy isn't just dependent on your circumstances, right? We might say things like that, but I think when we get in the midst of really considering where our joy comes from, or even considering how we find joy in our current life situation, we sometimes tend to go a little bit towards this thinking. I know that that's where I tend to go sometimes, and so I have to think about that really hard. You know, where does my joy come from? And this is what we probably tend to believe, and we might even act that way as well. Right, we might look at our life and say, man, if things are not good on the outside, I'm not feeling joy on the inside, I gotta like, I gotta do something to change that, right? I need to it's like a call to action, a call to battle or whatever, right? Like I'm going after this joy. So you might think of it that way as well. Um, and you might think, you know, if uh, if things are great on the outside, like I'm fine, right? Life is good. So I don't have to worry about where my joy comes from because I have everything that I need, right? We might act that way as well. So I think this is kind of how we tend to think sometimes. But if you've been on the earth for a little while, right, or maybe a little while longer, you might also think to yourself and remember feeling, or you might be in a current situation where you say, joy is actually kind of hard to find. Happiness is hard to find. And not only is it hard to find, but when I do find something that makes me happy or joyful, it's really hard to hold on to that, right? Sometimes the things that used to bring me joy don't bring me joy any longer. I always think about it like as the iPhone. I love technology, so... Things that bring me joy are new technology things. I love them. I think they're lots of fun. I like when other people don't understand how they work so I can seem like a magician or whatever. But, you know, I remember, like, getting my first iPhone in college, and I got the iPhone 5S. 
I'm on the S schedule because then you get double the technology. Just a little life hack for you. All right, so I got the 5S, and I remember it was so great. I was like, this is the answer to life. This brings me such joy, right? It's changed my life. It really did change how my life went. But all of those things were great. But I remember two years later when, like, the next iPhone was out, and uh, my iPhone had essentially turned into a brick that you would hold a door open with somewhere that, like, won't stay open on its own. You know what I'm talking about? Or like the one that you let your kids play with because you're like, oh, they just wanted one and it's like older. It was really bad, right? It wouldn't do anything and I was frustrated with it. So that joy went away. And, and I think if we're also honest with ourselves and we look at joy in our lives and where it comes from, if we're pursuing joy and happiness, a lot of the things that bring that, we start to lose joy from those things eventually, right? It's just kind of a cycle and it can be a tiresome cycle. It can be something that's really uh, can kind of wear on you as life goes on. So we've been taking a look at joy and how we can move with joy in our lives, look where it comes from, and even see joy in the circumstances we're in. So there's a couple weeks to catch up on. would love for you guys to do that in the app or online, uh, just so you can continue the conversation. Uh, but today we're going to look at another um, area in our lives where it can be hard to find joy, but it can actually be really freeing when we do. Um, today I want to talk about joy and humility. And it's kind of a weird thing to even say, joy and humility. I, I don't know about you. When I think about the word humility, um, I think it's a good one, right? Humility is a good thing. It's a good thing to put on a job application. Uh, it's a great character quality to have. Like if someone says that you're a humble person, right? That, that's like the humble and hungry type thing. Like people love that when they see that in other people. Uh, but when I look at humility and I think about my experiences with humility, they're not always great, right? I don't know if you think of the word humility and you associate some pain with it. A little bit, you're like, I remember one time when I was humbled in this situation, or my humility moment actually was more of humiliation, right? Like, it was that thing where I felt really good about it, and then I got, like, slapped in the face, and it was horrible, and it was embarrassing, right? That might be where your association with humility is. Um, For example, I remember, uh, well, actually, last night, my wife and I were talking, I was like, what are some times when um, you can think of when I was, like, really confident about something, and then it ended up going really badly, and I had, like, a, a humble moment? And so my wife started listing a couple and then like five and then like 10. And I was like, whoa, I think that's enough. We don't have to go that far down the road, okay? And I realized a couple of things. One, um, my wife gave me some great examples, so I was thankful for that. Second of all, I'm like, I've had a lot of moments where maybe my pride got in the way or even, you know, I was thinking about getting, I was having joy from things uh, that I could do, right, or accomplish, So I started realizing that about myself, but I came up with this uh, example. I'll share one of them with you. There's many. I thought this one would be great. Um, When I was, when we were uh, pregnant with our son, Zeke, um, or my wife was pregnant, I should say, we were uh, in the hospital going, and before we went to the hospital, my wife gave me some assignments. You know, she was nesting, right? And so she's like, give me all these things. We're getting stuff ready. We have like the diapers and the nurseries all good. And there was a whole other story about putting the shelves up in the room that I thought about sharing, but we'll do that another time. Um, and I can't really narrate that one. So we went and we, uh, we did all this stuff and we got a car seat, right? Someone gave us a car seat. And so one of my assignments was, Aaron, you got to go put the car seat in the car and like figure out how to use it. And I was like, okay. She's like, here's the instructions with it too. Like, here's the instructions. I'm like, I don't need those, right? Nobody needs instructions. That's just, we don't need those. Uh, or so I thought. So I went out and I put the car seat base in the car, right? And I was feeling pretty good because all the little rolly balls and the colors like that say safe or not safe, right? They have make it really easy. It was safe. It was tight. I was like, saying, I'm like, I ought to hold. It was the latch system. So it was super easy. It just like clicks on there. So I was feeling good about it. And I snapped the, uh, snapped the car seat on there. So it was ready to go at any a moment's notice, right? 
So we were, uh, we went to the hospital. Finally, it was time. The baby was coming. So we're like, all right, we got to go. And it turned out it was a long time after that that he came. But we went. And uh, so we were in the recovery room after we had the baby and everything. And it was the day after. So they're getting, they're starting to talk about discharging my wife. They're like, all right, you guys are probably going to be go, you know, go home later today. And, and I was like, okay, that's good. And so we're like sleep deprived at this point. We've been awake for like two days. I'm like hallucinating. I don't know. It was really bad. So my wife is super tired. And, and so finally the time came. They're like, all right, you know, you guys in the next like 30 minutes here, you're going to be ready to go. And so my wife said, well, why don't you go get the car seat and bring it in so we can get, you know, Zeke in there. It was cold still. And so I was like, all right. So I went out to the car to get it. And the first task was to get the car seat out of the car, which I thought would only take seconds. I didn't even bring my coat out. And so I was that confident. And so I go in and I'm like, I don't even know how this thing comes out of here. I'm going to have to like take the whole car into the lobby. And so like a car dealership where you pull it in. So I'm doing that. And man, I could not figure it. Well, finally, I found the thing on the back. I'm like, okay, all right, we got the car seat out. Problem avoided. I took it up to the room, put it down. I'm like, bam, car seat. Let's do this. And like, I don't know if you remember the first time anyone ever handed you a newborn you kind of feel like you're holding a really fragile glass vase. Like if you squeeze too hard, it might break or anything. And so I'm like, I'm like, okay, well, okay, let's put him down. And so I was getting the car seat ready, and I was supposed to loosen up the straps so he could go in there. Guys, I spent 20 minutes trying to figure out how to loosen the straps on this car seat, and I was like not willing to admit defeat. So like all oh, the nurses are like, so are you guys ready to go? I'm like, yeah, just get him in the car seat. Just a minute. You know, I'm like, I'm like, okay. So I'm looking in here and my wife's like, why don't you try like Googling it? I'm like, yes, YouTube has all the answers. So I like, I'm like how to loosen straps on a car seat and like the most embarrassing Google search ever. And so like I saw a bunch of things and like nothing was making sense. I'm like, this doesn't, it doesn't have that. This isn't, this I looked already, it doesn't have that one. And so we're in there struggling. And so finally I decided in my defeat, I was like, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to, like, go ask the nurse or something because neither one of us could figure it out. And I don't know if it was my sleep deprivation or what. So I went out to the nurse's station, and I was like, hey, uh, I know y'all want us to leave and go and stuff and go home, but can I, uh, you know, I can't figure out the the car seat thing. I don't know how to loosen the straps. And so I felt like uh, I felt like so bad. And so the nurse came in, and she's like, well, that's okay. I have some papers for you to sign first. And so, you know, they're like, here's the, uh, you know, sign this one saying you won't shake the baby. I'm like, okay, well, that seems obvious. And here's this one saying you're going to feed the baby. Okay. And no instruction manuals for the baby either, by the way, just for those of you that wondered. Um, they're sending me home with this newborn. And so she comes in, and guess where they have the strap loosener? It's hidden inside the car seat underneath. you got to, like, break your finger to get in there. You need, like... And so you go underneath, I guess, so the baby can't loosen their own straps. And so I'm like, I didn't even feel bad at that point. I was just humiliated that I couldn't. I'm like, how am I supposed to take care of a baby if I can't loosen the straps in a car seat? Also, let me take a picture of this so I don't forget when I get home and, like, we have to raise our baby in the car. So anyways, that was kind of one of my moments where I was feeling a little bit humbled slash maybe humiliated in a way. Um, I didn't want to share a, a second pants ripping story this week since I did one of those last time. But there's plenty, okay? If you, if you hang around me long enough, you know humility. And so when I think of humility, maybe you think of it that way too, where you think, I've had some experience where I've felt humbled, and I don't necessarily know how to find joy in that moment, right? I didn't necessarily know how to find joy in the moment where I was super embarrassed and had to ask a nurse how to undo the car seat. And really in life, when we look at humility as a character trait is what we're kind of talking about, this joy in humility. And so we want to look at Philippians Uh, the book of Philippians in the Bible, and Paul. So Paul is actually writing this book um, from prison, right? He's writing to the church in Philippi. He's writing to the people, the Philippians, and he's sharing about his joy, even though he's in prison, right? And not only is he in prison, 
it's not like he was like doing some Grand Theft Auto and needed to go in there, right? He, he was in there unjustly, right, because of his faith in Jesus. And he's sharing about joy, right, his joy and injustice, his, his source of joy. And he, he's continuing to share with them about joy and even talking about humility and really following Christ's example. Something we can learn some really valuable things here in chapter 2 where he starts talking about imitating Christ's humility. And for us, as we look at having joy in our lives, I think this model can really pay dividends as we go throughout life. And this is a really great time to really actually uh, look at this in a pragmatic way. How can I do this, like, tomorrow? Uh, Especially if we're coming in the holiday season and it's more on our minds, uh, it's going to be easy to start to to look at our life and consider these things. So Philippians chapter 2 is where we're going to start. You can turn there if you want. Uh, on your phone, on a Bible. If you, if you need a Bible, we can bring you one. Um, and if uh, you can grab one from out um, in the back of the lobby too. If you don't have one, we'd love for you to take that home. Uh, it'll also be on the screen up here so you can follow along, which is really good. Um, sometimes the reception isn't the best here. So Philippians chapter 2, when we look at what Paul is starting to say, uh, he starts this way. Uh, first, he's talking about being united with Christ. He's talking about having a relationship with Christ. And this is what he says. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort in his love, any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being one in spirit and purpose. So Paul's talking about, you know, as I'm on this journey of joy, this joy ride, so to speak, he's like, you, you know, if you have any, you already have this relationship with Christ, right? Feel this way. And, and he's talking about this. Is, he says, this is what you should do. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, Consider others better than yourselves. In some of the previous chapters, Paul is talking about how some people are actually preaching the gospel. They're teaching God's word, but they're doing it for their own gain. They're doing it for selfish reasons. So he's saying, don't do that. Consider others better than yourselves. Verse 4 says this, each, each of you, sorry, I forgot to change these as I'm reading. Um, he says, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Now, we're going to come back to a couple of these. Uh, but the first thing we start to see in uh, the first verse there, when uh, Paul is talking about his, the relationship with Jesus, when you look at a relationship with Jesus Christ, or you even just read the Bible and see what Jesus says that he's done for everyone, one of the things we start to see about joy and humility is this. Uh, joy actually comes when we see what we are saved from. Right? Paul's saying if you have encouragement in being united with Christ, if you have any comfort in his love, Right? If, if you have any, uh, any comfort and encouragement in that, look at, look at what you were saved from. Because here's the reality for us um, is, is this. When we look at the Bible, it's very clear about um, our position with God. Right? There, there's, there's a couple of things that we realize. The first one is this. God loves us. Right? That's very clear throughout the Bible. The Bible is actually a story of God's redemption for his people. But we also know if we read the Bible, we see there's sin in the world. There's sin in us that separates us from God. We also see that there's a real place called hell. And hell is not a a place that God angrily sends people. Hell is a trajectory of our lives and we are separated from Christ. There's also a hopelessness, right? There's a hopelessness. When the world seems like it's getting worse, when joy is hard to come by, hard to find, right? We start to see what Jesus actually promises to save us from. But it takes a little bit of humility to actually see this through a good lens, Right, when we actually start to look at what God has saved us from, right, it's easy to say, yeah, nobody likes hell, nobody likes sin, that's, that's good. But it takes humility for us to look and say, actually, you know what, 
I can find joy in knowing that God has given me grace and mercy and saved me from this. So Paul is saying, you know, if you have any encouragement from God's love, if you, if you have any uh, encouragement in being united with Christ, any comfort from him loving you, right, the first step is to look with, with humility and say, you know what, I have to look and see what I'm saved from. And I don't think that's always an easy thing because it involves admitting a couple things, right? It involves admitting first that I can't do this on my own, right? So many times when we look at joy, it looks like a good plan for life. If I can just, if I can get this amount of money in my retirement, if I can, if I can get this house or I can get this car or I can get this promotion or I can get into like this internship and then this residency and then like they'll hire me and like I just have this path and that'll bring me joy, Right? One of the things we have to admit in humility when we look at, at seeing what we're saved from is that God actually knows better than we do. Right? We're sa- kind of saved from ourselves in a way. And by the way, no matter how well we live our lives, no, many, no matter how many good things we do or the right path that we follow, we cannot do it ourselves. We can't save ourselves from sin and hell. That's a real thing. So the first thing when we look at joy, right, the tough part is seeing the, the, having joy from that humility because it it hurts a little, it stings a little to say, I can't do it myself. So that's one of the first things we see Paul talking out here, and we're going to come back to talking about that a little bit. But it involves humility to see what we're saved from, right, and actually admit that we need that Savior. And that's part of uh, when we have a relationship with Christ, it's how that happens, right? It's us admitting that in humility to him. But there's a joy in knowing that we're saved from sin. Right, that we actually have a greater purpose. There's a joy in knowing that we're saved from hell. There's a joy in knowing that we have hope beyond this life. And some of that joy comes knowing that those circumstances don't change that. The second thing we start to see is uh, Paul talks a little bit about um, what we're saved for. Right? He talks about mission. Well, joy also comes when we see what we're saved for. First, right, in humility, we have to see what we're saved from. And then in humility, we also look and see what we're saved for. I love this. It's like you can remember like two words. You can remember from and for. Right? When we're looking at, at joy in life, Paul is talking in, the, in those verses about seeing, you know what, if, if you've uh, been saved, if you have comfort in Christ and you're united with him, then you actually get to be like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose, right? It, it starts to change the way we look at life, right? When you think about being saved for, right, there's a, there's a mission, a unity, and a love that God saves us for. It's kind of unlike everything else in life because a lot of times one of the hardest parts of life is finding your purpose, right? How long did you spend maybe if you're in that stage right now, you're trying to figure out what am I supposed to do with the rest of my life? I remember being, uh, graduating from high school, being a senior in high school and I was getting ready to graduate and so people start asking you that magical question like, so what are you going to do after high school? And at that point in my life, I knew I had to go to college because that's what my parents wanted and so I just started like, choosing something to tell people because I really didn't have an answer. So I was like, I'll do criminal justice and psychology because anyone that knows me knows I'm not smart enough to do that, right? So I was like, and no one would trust me with a gun, so they shouldn't do that, right? But I'm like, I'm just going to pick something, right? And I'm going to start majoring that because that's what you do. I need a purpose for my life. Um, That didn't bring me much joy, I'll tell you that. But when we look, that's a hard part of life is trying to think about what's our purpose, right? And when we look in humility and say that actually God might have a greater purpose for us, one that's kind of beyond our understanding. God might actually have a unity for us, right? There's a group of people, right? When we enter a relationship with Jesus, right, it involves some humility to admit what we're saved from. But then in humility, we get to join together with others who can also say, I don't have this figured out, right? We're moving towards a similar goal in unity, 
right, our mission becomes a little different, right? It takes humility to look and say, I'm going to change the mission of my life. Because maybe your mission in life is just to be self-sustained. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, but like maybe that's your mission. And sometimes when we enter a relationship with Jesus and in humility, we have to admit he might have a different plan. It puts a few road bumps in that process. When we start to look at the love that Jesus gave us and, and that we can actually communicate that to others, right? this is probably where Christians get knocked the most. Because they're like, well, they just think they're better than everybody else, right? They just think they, they have it all together because they know Jesus or they go to church, right? That's not how it works. When we look at the purpose, the unity, and the mission that God has, right, when we start to, in humility, say, God, I know that you want to join me together with a body of believers who are like-minded in spirit and purpose. God, I, I know that you have plans for my life that may not be what I had, but are much better, Right? It takes humility to say, I'm, I'm going to submit myself to God's plan and mission rather than my own. And we start to see joy come from this because it starts to change the way that we look at life when we look at it through the lens of humility. I love what Paul ends this with because Paul doesn't just say, uh, do what I do, um, you know, find your joy in seeing what you're saved from and you know, what God did. Right? He's like, no, you actually need to model the example of Jesus Christ. And I think this is super important for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, what I always tell when I am with students, what I always tell them is don't take my word for it whenever I say anything to you. Right? You need to go look at the Bible. You need to look at what Jesus says and, and figure that out for yourself. Like, don't just take my word for it, right? Read it and see that it's true. Because that's a big deal. So Paul points directly back to Jesus and says um, at the end there, your attitude should be that of Christ Jesus. And this, this is what Jesus did. So he talks about um, Jesus and, and his example. He says, Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Right? He had it all. Right? Jesus, when he came to earth, when, uh, when, he sent his son, when God sent his son Jesus to earth, he had it all. Right? He wasn't trying to earn anything. He wasn't there to earn a godly status or to be the right hand of God. Right? He already had it. Right? He actually, he didn't have to grasp that. But he made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and even became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So, you know, we see a couple of things in there. And one, one of the really neat things that we see is that, you know, God chose to do this, right? That, that whole thing that we're saved from, actually what that is, is that example there. Right, because of sin happening in the beginning of the Bible, God sent his son, God sent his son with a perfect plan to be obedient to death on the cross, which he chose to do, which probably wasn't that joyful, right? He chose to do that, and that is why we get to experience joy of what we're saved from. And it starts to also give us a picture of, you know what, if I'm going to say in humility, I want to find joy in life, I, I now know what my joy is should look like, how that should play out in my life. And there's a couple of things that start to happen. Uh, the first one is this. Humility aligns our hearts with God's heart. You know, if you're looking and you're saying, you know what, I'm a believer and I want to be like Jesus, right? That's the whole point when we enter into a relationship with Jesus or we're even looking at Jesus as our example, right? We want our hearts to be aligned with his. The best way to do that is to start to look at his example, start to kind of take a deep dive 
into where we find our joy and say, would, would God actually look at the things that I'm seeking joy in and be like, yeah, that's good. Would, would God look at my pursuits in life and be like, yeah, this seems like putting others before yourself, right? This, this seems like, or am I actually preoccupied with my own interests all the time, right? Do I ever even give thought to other people's interests or what God might want? So when we're on this pursuit of joy, right, part of this is starting to align our hearts with God. So when we can look at something in humility and say, yeah, I can't do this myself. I, I need a plan. I need unity. I need others. I need Jesus to give me a mission, right? Our joy starts to come from that. Um, and, I, and I love looking back to see uh, the joy that we have in unity because we can't do this alone, not without Jesus and not without others as well. One of the greatest parts of life is other people. And finding joy in relationships is not a bad thing uh, because God actually uses those as we move through life. And the second thing we see here when we start to look at joy, uh, and this, guys, I have to say, this is probably the most thing that, as I was looking at this and kind of considering it in my own heart, this was probably the most changing part to me. Um, you know, joy is not obtained. Joy, joy is freely given by Christ. I think this is probably the biggest difference between when we look at, at we stand aside and say this is what joy is in the world, and when we look at the Bible and say this is what joy is, it's the fact that we think we can obtain it so many times, right? I think in our pursuit in life, we look for joy in a lot of different places because I think we're inclined to seek that, right? We're inclined to seek joy, things that make us happy, right, that feel good. Those are all good things. But when they're coming in other sources besides that of a relationship with Jesus, it's going to return empty eventually. And so I love this idea that, you know what, I can't actually obtain joy. It's actually given by Christ, that's why when we talk about a relationship with Jesus, it would be so important because we're saying we actually can't find lasting joy without Jesus. But when we have humility to say, Lord, I, I know what, I'm saved, what I need saved from. I know what you've done. When we have humility to say, God, I know what I'm saved for and I want to change my life to kind of match your vision and goals for life, then Christ starts to freely give joy through that. And so a lot of things happen. First is this, we start, to, we start to look at others differently. Like It's not so much about lowering the view of yourself because the danger is with this when we look at humility, we can say, I need to make myself a lowly person and be an Eeyore all the time, right? You're like walking around like, well, not surprised I messed up, it's me, right? Like you, you can get like that where you mope around. I get like that when I fail at stuff sometimes. I'm like, well, if anyone else, it probably would have went fine, but it was me, wah, wah, right? Like I'm like a tuba following me around, I'm sad, right? That's, that's the danger, Right? We can get this low view of ourselves. It's not so much about lowering the view of ourselves. It's actually about starting to elevate the view of others in our lives. Right? Jesus needs to come first. The, the second part isn't just learning that we're miserable people. Right? We do need Jesus, but we need to start to raise our view of others and look at them in different ways. So it looks like this. Instead of seeing people in my life as a means to an end or an obstacle to my goal, right? they're actually in the way of my joy. If they would just shape up or if they would just do this or man if they would just see me for who I really am and give me that promotion I deserve if they would choose me instead of this other applicant or you know fill in the blank right instead of seeing others that way right we actually start to see them differently one of the the coolest things I ever heard I work with students and kids a lot and it can get difficult at points and there's some kids that you're like could you could we uninvite him like like if you're being super honest like I would never do that but one of the things I heard that changed the way I look at people was this I was at a conference and they said, it's really hard not to love people when you see them as created in the image of God. 
And so when I start looking at people, instead of seeing them as an obstacle or a means to an end, I start looking at them and saying, you know what, this person is created in God's image, right, for the same purpose, mission, they have the same love from Jesus as me. And by the way, they're on the same trajectory. They're either on, they're either on a path away from God or they're on a journey to, to life and hope with God. Wow. Like it, it kind of levels the playing field. Right? The enemy of, of humility is pride. That's why so many of our stories about humility are attached to pain. Because um, if, if, not, uh, if not humility, humiliation, right? We get kind of put in your place, so to speak. And that doesn't feel good. But man, the enemy of humility is pride. And so when we start to view people differently, we start to see joy in those. So a couple of things happen as well. We, we, start to see, um, we start to see that we're not dependent on other things for joy. I love that when we look at joy in Christ, when it's freely given, it actually makes the other things in life that we used to find joy in richer. And here's what I mean by that. I think relationships that we have, they're awesome. We should find joy in those. But when we find joy in Jesus first and our purpose, that unity, the mission together, we realize what we're saved from, those relationships with others become richer. Why? Well, because they're coupled with, it's a mission now, because we want to love others the way that God has loved us. Right? Instead of depending on that relationship for joy, I'm like, how can I, how can I see this person as more than myself? Right? Talk about how that would change a marriage, right? If we could have the humility to realize all these things that the Lord has done for us and saved us for, and then we look at that person as better than ourselves, right? At any relationship, right? Instead of seeing a, a promotion as like a thing that we have to have for the source of joy, man, if we get it, that's awesome. We can thank the Lord for that because we know that it's, that it's given freely by Christ. But man, when our circumstances change, we know that it's not dependent on just that one thing. That's the, probably the most powerful part about finding our joy and this humility and seeing true joy in Jesus and a relationship with him is that all the other things in life, our joy is not dependent on those. Think about how much of a burden that would be off of your shoulders. I know for me, when I, when I realized that like a circumstance that I'm really hoping will change, when I know that's not, that's not the end of my life, if that doesn't happen, it's freeing. And it doesn't take away some of the emotions attached to that because life can hurt sometimes. But it makes it easier knowing that, man, if I have a life full of pain that's unfair, unjust, if I have a life full of unfair circumstances and I, I feel like everybody's out to get me, but I know that it's not, my joy is not dependent on just those things because I have the hope of a life with Jesus after this life, as painful as it may be. And when we have great things in life and we do get some of those things and we experience joy and happiness from other things in life, we actually start to attribute that to God. And we, and we begin to be able to leverage those for others that are in need, that are hurting, that don't have the joy. So it takes a different perspective um, to do it that way. But I think viewing life through humility is hard. It takes a lot of work. And so I want to encourage us to do a couple things. I think there's some ways that we can look at this and kind of measure, you know, am I looking at humility in the correct way? Do I have this humility? It took a lot of work for me, right? Like I know this is an area that, that really hits home with me and is hard to, to look and every day, not just ask for, have humility in a moment where I have a relationship with Jesus. That's really important. But to every day be looking at God and saying, God, thank you for the grace that you've given me, right? Not not because, well, I didn't need as much grace as anyone else, that other person did, but no, God, I needed just as much. I was far from you, 
right? It gives us a different mindset. So I think there's some things that we can ask God to do. The, the first thing is this. I think maybe you need to, to look at God and say, God, do I need to actually look at this idea of a relationship with you? Maybe you've been learning about Jesus. You've been attending church for a little bit, and you're trying to figure all that out. Maybe you can start to ask, is there, do I need some humility in my life, right? Is, is where I'm seeking my joy, is it not measuring up? Am I, am I always chasing joy, and it seems to always be, like, dwindling? It's always going out. Like, do I need to consider my source of joy, do I need to think maybe I can't achieve that on my own, no matter how hard I work? Uh, maybe for you it's looking and saying, you know what, I've had the humility to say, yes, Jesus, I want a relationship with you, but I really struggle to do that every day. So maybe you need to start to ask the Lord to give you that humility every day to start to remember what you're saved from. Maybe for you it looks like looking at humility and saying, God, I need to remember what I'm saved for. Right? I have a relationship with you and I realize that I need that grace every day and I'm I'm like really torn up about my sin and I, and I want to ask forgiveness for that. But maybe it's like I need to start to engage in the mission and the unity and find my joy there. Right? Maybe that looks like joining a life group. We've talked about that in the past couple weeks. Those are people in unity you can walk through life with that can help you through those times, remind you of the joy, challenge you. Um, that would be a great step. Thinking about the humility for that uh, mission in life. Because maybe it is a new mission that you need. Maybe your mission in life is going this way and you start to realize maybe God is taking me this way and I need to pay attention to that. Um, joy gives you all kinds of great stuff and we have to remember pride is the enemy of that. Uh, the, the band's going to come up. They're going to play a couple of songs for us to just give us some space to think about this in our lives. You know, when I look at, at getting joy from humility, is there um, where am I seeking it from? Right? Do I need to, to start to view through humility uh, what God has done for me, what he saved me for, and actually what I can start to do to really practically live that out in my life? Um, the first step is asking God for that. Um, I think humility is something that you learn over time. I don't think it's something that you can always just achieve. I think we all love us some us, right? I love me some me. I love doing things. I love accomplishing. Um, but the tendency for me is to attribute that to myself, instead of to the Lord. So looking in humility and saying, you know, the things that I can achieve are given by Christ, right? That joy is given. And I start um, looking at life differently, not always trying to obtain joy from all these things that I can get and leveraging people and things for that, but actually looking at a way as I can do what Christ did and, and humble myself, give myself away, experience maybe some pain, but still have joy through that as well. So I encourage you to think about that, ask a couple of questions to God about humility, and really take a, a look at your life. I think where I was hung up was really on this spot right here, was thinking that somehow my work was what was bringing the joy, right? Even if it was working hard at a relationship with Jesus. Really what it is is a, is a change totally to our lives, a paradigm shift, looking at it through the lens, joy through the lens of humility. Let me pray for us, and then we'll have a couple of songs to have some space. Uh, God, we, we love you. We thank you so much, um, God, that, that you would give us grace in our lives. God, we thank you also that our lives aren't just dependent on ourselves. It's freeing to know that. And God, we're thankful that a relationship with you doesn't mean an absence of joy. Right? Sometimes when we, when we look at, at, um, at church and we look at the history of it and we look at maybe our own experiences, it seems like joy is absent from so many people who claim to follow Jesus. Or we seem like, it seems like maybe they're pushy about it or they're, they're trying to, to use other people and it seems um, disingenuous. 
But God, we thank you that without selfish ambition, um, God, we can actually know you and experience joy through your people, uh, through your word, and, and through mission and life. God, I know that there are people who are going through lots of hard times. And God, I know that um, those are tough. And God, those are the times when it's hardest for us to see joy. It's hardest to see our need for joy then. It's hardest um, for us to not think that it comes from fleeting things. But God, we pray that you would bring us that true joy, that we would be able to look today and consider in humility maybe a relationship with you for the first time. Um, God, not not because of um, it being the right thing to do, but God, because we're seeking a true joy in our life, a hope. God, hopelessness is is destructive, and it can keep us from so many things. And God, all the things that we want to love in life, sometimes they, they bring hopelessness because they're imperfect. But God, we know that your grace covers a multitude of sins, and you offer that every day. So God, we pray that whatever it is we need to consider with you, that we would do that during this time, that we'd be honest with you about where we need humility. God, how we need to change our lives. Maybe how we need to view people differently, how we need to view opportunity, our mission. God, whatever it is, you know our hearts. And God, we pray that you would show us uh, during this time. Speak to us now. Amen.